This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good morning, everyone. Um, welcome to the morning break with me. And today I have two really special guests. It's the first time I've done a show with two with two people. It's um, it's incredible, and you're here, which is even better. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Karen, welcome. Marcus, welcome. For those of you who don't know Karen and Marcus, um, I'm sure you do because they have a pretty huge following. Um, They are part of the Teaching English social media team. (laughs) Marcus is the the community manager. Karen holds a master's in educational technology and ELT. And I'm going to get her to tell us a little bit about her teaching and learning journey. And Marcus is going to tell us the same and has assured me that he has a lot to say, or Karen has assured me that Marcus has a lot to say. Is that correct? <laughs> I don't believe everything. Like <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, dearie me. Marcus, <laughs> Marcus, I know that Karen's based in Catalonia. Are you there as well? Uh, purely coincidental, but can I just say I was here first. Okay, fine. <laughs> I if followed. There, if there is a competition about that, then that's fine. Yes, you were there first. <laughs> um, who would like to go first? I'd like to know how how you actually got to where you got to. I am extremely in awe of both of you, the way you manage your your Facebook lives. And we'll talk about that, obviously, a little bit later. But I'm very much... Um, in awe of the work you do, constantly coming up with brilliant ideas to support teachers. See that Marcus is muted, so I'm assuming you're going I'm first, well, Karen. <laughs> ideas is Karen's uh, wheelhouse. Wheel <laughs> oh, the ideas, yeah, we'll come, we'll come to that later. Okay, I'll jump in okay. first. Um, maybe that was a, um, a subtle signal from Marcus, <laughs> muting himself. <laughs> so I'm... Oh, my teaching journey. This may take quite some time. I'll try and summarize. (laughs) We've got time. (laughs) I was quite inspired by one of the podcast interviews you did with a teacher. um, A couple of, I can't remember when it was, but I listened to it yesterday. And so much of what she was saying resonated with me. And so when I first started my journey, it was with in in the sort of, you know, backpack EFL days. Mm when off I went, a friend phoned me up. I was working in London as a secretary and she phoned up and said, oh, I'm teaching in Greece. Why don't you come over? So I said, okay. (laughs) And off I went. Um, The director of the school said, here's your book and there's the classroom. See you later. Yes. I think a lot of us (laughs) fell into it like that. I'm not, my, my beginning was not dissimilar to yours. Right. Yes. In the, that was in the early nineties. And I really thought, is she not going to give me any guidance on what to do? So I was there in front of a bunch of 18-year-olds. I was 21. And needless to say, uh, within a few months, I was given a a younger class to handle. (laughs) Great. Um, (laughs) With with no training, obviously. (laughs) Exactly, with no training. And... This is what I was thinking about when listening to to your podcast the other day was I felt that was a bit wrong. And I Mm. felt that the parents were paying for their kids to be sent somewhere with a qualified teacher. Mm. So I got a taste for English language teaching and um, discovered I didn't know anything about grammar and I didn't know anything about classroom management. And so then I went and got my qualifications after teaching for a couple of years. Um, with people saying to me, oh, but you don't need anything, you can easily get a job. But I really felt I needed to have more um, educational 
support behind me. So off I went and did the Delta and eventually um, a master's in educational technology, which ironically I did at distance through booklets that were posted to me in different countries as I took six years and four countries later <laughs> to finally finish. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so then I, I I, I, I got interested in teacher training. I was working with the British Council in different countries. I did some VSO um, for a while. I worked for a very small NGO on the Thai-Burma border. And so I got very interested in use of technology and also large classes with no resources. So they're kind of two ends of a spectrum in a way. They you know, are. my favorite class is 100 students with a piece of chalk and no walls. Um, yet at the same time, I love teaching on Zoom and all the features it offers and all the, you know, the, the abilities and that technology can bring to students learning at home or on the road or sharing you know, devices. So mm -hmm. those two have kind of been my influences over over the many, many, many years of since those days in Athens in 1991. <laughs> Incredible. Tell me a little bit about large classes. I mean, it, I find I find large classes fascinating. I actually have my own class of about I think it's 110. Wow. Um, fortunately, they don't all come <laughs> because if they did, I didn't, wouldn't know what to do. Um, I'm teach, I teach at a university um, mm -hmm. here in Naples. We're hybrid at the moment. We don't really know what the future will hold, but I, I'm kind of assuming it's here to stay. When, you, when you're talking about teaching large classes, do you mean young learner classes? All. Or? <laughs> yeah, everything. I, I think what appeals to me about large classes, there's two things really. One is it appeals a lot to my sense of order and organization that Marcus has experienced much of over, over the last couple of years, mm -hmm. that to make a large class successful, you have to be very, very organized and use, use the students a lot. So once you've set up the systems at the beginning and everyone knows what signals mean, to mm. control the class or to get into groups and everyone has a role in the group, then it's kind of like teaching 20 small classes in that a way. Quite tiring though, all at the same time. <laughs> it's so energizing, I love it. And it also, <laughs> it also the, the second part is the creativity. You have to think, what can I do with what I have rather than I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. So all I have are the students and the board and maybe some walls, but we have chairs and we, we can move and we have arms and faces and we have maybe if we're lucky bits of paper and there's a lot that can be done just with that. And I think that's what like appeals to me a lot. Sounds incredible. We could probably mm -hmm. do a whole show on it. Um, oh yeah. I'd like to come back. <laughs> Or you've probably already done done one <laughs> yourself. I haven't actually. No. Oh, that's a thought. Oh, oh, there you go. <laughs> I'd be def I'd definitely tune in. You had that on the list, Marcus. <laughs> okay, and now you're in in Catalonia. How did yes. you How did you get involved in teaching English? I'd been teaching. I'd been working in um, Sri Lanka for a couple of years and came back to the UK just before the pandemic. And I was working as a temporary one year job, um, filling in for someone who'd gone on maternity leave at the British Council as part of the online team. Mm -hmm. And so when the pandemic happened, we found ourselves in the middle of everything. Everybody wanted to know about online learning and what to do and help, help, help. And so our little team of four, yeah, became very involved in supporting teachers. And that team joined with many others in the British Council and formed a bigger group of um, people from all over the British Council globally. Mm. And Marcus was at that time with social media and we sort of joined and met online then. How Back in, when was that? I can't remember, Marcus. It was in 20. I guess, beginning of 2020, early 2020. Mm -hmm. Let's hear from Marcus. Mm -hmm. I believe his journey is an, as, as fascinating as yours. <laughs> Marcus, are you there? Yes, I'm here. I've been listening. Um, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm the quiet one. Um, so. <laughs> oh, it's a little insight into our working relationship. That's very true. I'm going to mute myself now. <laughs> I've a meeting with you and I, I can't remember speaking. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, all right, so my, my teaching journey, um, well, I didn't start off my career as a teacher. I was a broadcast journalist uh, for small number of years, maybe about three or four. Um, but at that time, the media industry in the UK was kind of getting merged into sort of the huge, um, big sort of corp by huge corporations. Mm -hmm. Everything was kind of getting um, shrunk down. Um, so I, I sort of quit that. I, think I found it too stressful to stay in um, journalism in, in radio stations. So you were, you because you do have a a very nice voice, Marcus. It's um, it is a radio voice, isn't it? Yeah, I don't have a face for it. I've got a face for radio and a voice for radio. <laughs> um, so anyway, then I I sort of went through a bit of a crisis mode and thought, oh gosh, what can I do? Because it, it was always my plan to be a, a you know a journalist, and it's what I trained for at university. Um, and then I, I for some reason I thought back at the reason why I started studying languages, French and Italian, because my original plan was that when I was a young teenager was to sort of travel the world and uh, very similar to Karen, you know, mm. sort of, uh, sort of backpacking around the world and teaching English as I go. Um, so I did a, a CELTA, no, it wasn't a CELTA, it was the other one, a Trinity. Mm -hmm. Trinity, Trinity uh, uh, yeah. Um, so I did that in Barcelona. And then I, uh, again, did, uh, on my age here but this was when the internet wasn't quite as popular as it is now yeah so we were reliant on things like mailing lists um so the institution where i did my training in barcelona added me to various mailing lists and i got a sort of a, an email from a, a saudi company and I did the sort of very quick interview and it was my first interview, got offered a job in corporate training in a petrochemical company out there. And oh that was my basic, that was my first TEFL experience. So I went straight into corporate training and it was probably the best job to start off with because I remember having a six day, sorry, a six hour uh, day wow. divided by three hours planning in the morning for the three hours of lessons in the afternoon. That's all you did? It was a lot more to it. It was training, <laughs> safety training. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so wow. That was my, that's, that was my first few years um, in, in Saudi Arabia. And, and as I sort of continued within sort of uh, corporate training, I sort of started moving into marketing and, and director of studies. Um, and then sort of about eight years later, I... Uh, moved to Malaysia and sort of and entered the classroom again as a, as a sort of bog standard teacher um, where I received so much support in, in, in Kuala Lumpur um, and there was a big push to um, get teachers involved in their professional development so I, mm. I, I was sort of bullied into doing a delta <laughs> as many of us were but, uh, anyway um, so after I did that like most teachers um, you know you, you kind of trained to become a better teacher um, and then slowly stopped teaching um, and I found that my, uh, my, my time in project uh, slots was kind of getting taken up by more uh, technical and marketing stuff at the British mm. Council in Malaysia and I started uh, volunteering on their social media sort of helping out with uh, learner questions and then that kind of featured into my professional development plan and then mm -hmm. marketing sort of uh, gave me all the passwords that I needed. And I sort of was, you know, filling some free time with that on a voluntary basis. And then a job came up on the Global Network for Learn English Kids. Um, that's a, I mean, the, the, back when Learn English Kids had social media, now it's uh, Learn English Parents. Um, so I did a, I think, part-time, about seven hours a week, um, sort of working for the Global supporting the global team and then as uh, it became more clear of the importance of social media for parents and teachers I, I kind of segued or transitioned over towards uh, teaching English 
and then I supported um, my predecessor and foreman um, for the past about five years on mm-hmm. a part-time basis and, and she retired um, at the uh, end of 2020 I think mm-hmm. um, and then I took over full-time as a community manager where Incredible. we were support our small little very efficient and effective creative team um, yeah we all, seem, we all seem to be based in catalonia so even my my um line manager and, and uh, website manager of teaching english paul braddock who's um, based in barcelona as well yes i, uh, I know i know paul very well <laughs> so, okay technically he was here before me so he he came first then i came then karen came <laughs> okay yep i i've actually met paul and his family um they came to Naples on holiday and Paul had organized a, a house swap with another one of your colleagues. Um, and he got to Naples, he'd organized everything so that his mum would get here too. And uh, he forgot the keys. <laughs> so, oh dear. <laughs> oh, I know he's listening. Yeah, he, he will be listening, yeah. Um, I'm getting quite a lot. I've, I think I've used that story before, but I, I do like it very much. But oh, I had I, the I pleasure got, of... I've got some Paul Braddock. you got some Paul Braddock stories, so we can do that afterwards. It's a huge... You've got a huge audience. Do you want to just... Um, we'll, maybe we'll get onto this a little bit later. You've got a huge audience, and every week you you give a lot to to the teaching English community. Can you tell me how you actually plan your week? Both of you. Okay, if it's a question about planning, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> I can see I'm going to get a reputation here. <laughs> well, but don't make the, me look bad. N- oh, right. Okay. Um, the Ah, planning. Well, it's planning in a more organic way, shall we say. (laughs) (laughs) So we plan, we've got two different types of live events. So are you talking about the Friday ones, Jean? Both of them, actually. Um, Both of them. I think maybe our listeners might like to know what's the difference and, um, you know, how they work. Okay, Marcus, that's that's one for Mark. Yeah, go ahead, Marcus. You you talk about the, the lives, the different lives, and what okay, we so do. Let me just backtrack a little bit. I mean, obviously, mm. we exist, uh, and I'm again conscious of you know just sort of clarifying a few things here. So, you know, we are the community side that supports the resources that are available through the Teaching English um, mm. website. Yep. So, um, I have regular meetings with. Uh, aforementioned Paul. The boss. <laughs> uh, so I have regular meetings with uh, Paul Braddock uh, to discuss, you know, what's coming up on the website and then we sort of brainstorm ideas on sort of how we can support that. Mm-hmm. Then, then um, I have a chat with Karen and sort of relay a lot of that information onto her and then we sort of brainstorm together like what content types so some content from the website some questions that we may ask the community as a sort of a text questions some third party posts that we may share from um, other sort of educational organizations like edutopia or um, a news story from uh, the bbc sort of family and education mm-hmm. um, so we we then look at our sort of week and think well right we'll ask a question sort of midweek and sort of gauge how the community of teachers are across the world and then very often the responses from that will prompt either an immediate idea or a little bit more discussion between us on how we can sort of develop that into a um, a more inclusive conversation Mm -hmm. Um, then so we do have different types of, of post content. So we've got, you know, the, the, the website resources, the lesson plans. But for the live streams that we do, uh, the, the Friday ones that um, Karen and I have sort of built up over time, these are uh, mostly, you know, aimed at having a conversation with the community of teachers who are following us about issues that have been raised by mm-hmm. the community themselves. Um, throughout the week 
Um, the other types of live streams that we may do will, uh, and there are two other types. Uh, so there are ones that will be uh, as a kind of support for our training products that are on offer on teaching English. Um, so for example, coming up, we've got um, online skills for 21st century teachers. So that's our next um, online course for teachers. So tomorrow, uh, Karen will be hosting uh, a colleague, David uh, Guarini-Gilmartin from Vietnam. Mm. And they'll be discussing, you know, um, things like digital footprints uh, for teachers. So that will be used to kind of raise awareness of the course, um, to kind of uh, maybe give teachers a taste of what course content to expect as well. Fabulous. How many how many people have you got in the group? Right. Okay. So I mean, these are, <laughs> we'll talk about numbers. It's very difficult to um, sort of clarify numbers because you know, I mean, I can give you the big big numbers. So on followers on Facebook, we have uh, four million. Wow. Um, followers on Twitter, we've got about two hundred sixty thousand. Uh, we've got eighty seven thousand subscribers on uh, YouTube. And we've just launched our Instagram page, so we're on, we're sort of about six hundred and sixty at the moment. But I mean, that's only after about two months. Okay. Um, so, I mean, the aim is, you know, within the next couple of years, to sort of have a community. Um, I think one one target I've seen is about six million. So hopefully, I mean, you know, building all of these up. We've also got various Facebook groups, um, and we've got you know regional variations of the teaching English products. Well. Mm -hmm. So I've noticed, for, for example, the, the Facebook group is pretty big itself. I just wondered, how do you moderate that? <laughs> who, who, who moderates it? Or do they just auto? Oh, if only. If only. <laughs> I mean, I well, I think Karen will probably agree. I mean, we wouldn't really want it to auto moderate. I mean, yes, mm. Facebook and, and Twitter and Instagram and, and all these social media platforms you know, they will give us tools, for example, you know, we've got profanity filter, so there will be comments that will be automatically hidden mm -hmm. um, if, you know, certain words are mentioned. Um, on, I think, YouTube, for example, we've kind of put all comments into, into like a holding pattern until they're approved. Um, so we kind of go in and we we moderate but i mean i don't like to use the word moderate it's more engaging with the community mm -hmm. so you know we we respond to their responses to our questions so to to continue a conversation yeah to kind of build a dialogue um and again you know the, the, those kind of feed into ideas for future content as well so you know when we talk about um spending time on social media i would say you know, 80% of it is, you know, in the comments, you know, having mm. discussion, building the dialogue with the, uh, the community. I mean, mo moderating is a bit, it sort of implies, you know, you need to delete and hide and, and like, there's much more to do than that. It's a, it's a two way, two way street. Would you agree? Mm. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And <laughs> yeah, no, it is though, because mm. we've got, you know, since I've been there for the last year and a half with Marcus, uh, just us two. Um, we've got to know some of the teachers. You know, I recognize names and people pop up now and again. And it's lovely to develop that sense of community with a huge amount of people. Um, like, I just wanted to give an example, like a, 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 an example of a process that we did last week. Yep. Um, to give a taste of maybe the planning. <clears throat> so we were talking to get together quite a lot of Marcus and Ike's conversations are, where do we feel teachers are at right now? What are teachers feeling in different parts of the world? Where are they at in their school year? Um, what kinds of classes are they teaching? And so we asked a question last week on how, um, as a teacher, how do you how do you evaluate your success? And so lots of teachers were writing in and we were then writing back, you know, some follow up questions or, you know, asking a little bit more, sharing our own experiences. And that then fed into one of the last week's Friday Live, where we picked up on a lot of what teachers were saying because it was so varied. 
um, and so different. So we were sharing a lot of experiences, our own and teachers writing in with their views. Um, and so I read, it's one of my favorite parts <laughs> is the is the Friday lives, which is much more a together experience rather than one of either either you know information about a course or somebody coming who has a lot of expertise in a particular area and will share that expertise with the teachers watching. Mm -hmm. So the two I, I, I feel the two types of lives that we do complement each other very well. Don't you think Marcus? Absolutely. I mean, I mean that's what's needed as well. I mean well even we have been experimenting with sort of different formats. Um, you know, things like tutorials um, have always gone down quite well mm. as well. Um, uh, one, one of the, um, uh, Karen will probably tell you as well, you know, one of the uh, pet hates of mine is when someone refers to a, a live stream or an event um, that we do on social media as a webinar. Mm. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, you know, mm. it, it, webinars are very... Uh, specific in, in, in how they are. I mean, you know, you have an expert who is presenting um, information, usually in a slide format to a closed group of registered participants. Mm. I mean, yes, Teach English, um, you know, Paul uh, arranges you know, quite an awful lot of uh, webinars. Webinars. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we're, mm. we're currently running about one a week at the moment, I think. Um, you know, we do support that by having a, a stream of the webinar on on Facebook because a lot of countries, um, well, some countries actually, I think Cuba is one of those that, that doesn't um, allow for Zoom. So you know, Facebook, oh. Facebook Live is an alternative way uh, to, to reach them. Uh, to, to reach them. Um, so you know, we have been experimenting. We we uh, recently have sort of changed the, the the aspect ratio i'm not sure if you may have noticed on some of our streams they used to be widescreen and now some of them are, are square which um presents a lot neater on a mobile device because at the end of the day you know the majority of our followers are on a mobile device yeah um, <laughs> so for example i think uh, karen um you're, you're doing the uh, canva course by i think uh, an elt uh, uh, colleague Mm -hmm. I think she, I'm not going to jump, uh, step in on someone's toes here, but I think we <laughs> were looking at uh, getting her for a little tutorial type thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Is that Claire? Yes, that's yeah. clear. <laughs> yep. Yes, no, 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 it's a very small world and yeah, Claire's wonderful. Yes. That's really, oh, that's really nice to know. Mm. Um, hello, Claire, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's really useful. And I also think that sort of the move towards mobile phones is... Um, Long overdue. Yeah, I, I, I'm, <laughs> actually, I'm actually doing, I'm actually doing um, a course with, uh, um, about on writing and self-publishing. And one of, the, um, one of the things that the person who's delivering the course said, you know, I, if I travel and I'm on a travel light and I can't read your book on my phone, then I'm not going to read it kind of thing. And mm. I think that's becoming the norm with, with a lot of, a lot of things. It's just the way, the way forward. I'm going to pause you for a second. I still have loads of questions. I don't know how we're going to mm -hmm. get through. But we've, <laughs> we've covered quite a lot of them in different ways, but we do need to just quickly break for the news. So can mm -hmm. I ask you two to mute and mm -hmm. we'll be back in about five or six minutes. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. 
No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development, every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. If you have a passion for education and a talent for teaching and learning, the Witherslack Group want to hear from you. Join them as they open an incredible new school in Essex and be a founding teacher of English, Maths, Science or Primary with multiple leadership opportunities available too. As Teachers Talk Radio partners, we know how much they care about the well-being of staff and their offer to you will be superb. To find out more and apply for a role, visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. Young members of the Margate-based Lived Experience crew joined with students from nine schools across the country travelling to London to raise the alarm over the UK's plastic waste problem. The trip to Parliament came after pupils took part in the Big Plastic Count, a citizen science project launched by Greenpeace UK, a non-profit organisation Everyday Plastic. The count involved some 100,000 households, schools, community groups and businesses across the UK, counting their plastic packaging waste, recording the different types they threw away, and entering their results into the campaign website. The campaign aims to convince the government to take more action to cut plastic production, ban plastic waste exports and transition to refill and reuse alternatives which are affordable, accessible and appropriate for all. Union leaders have warned newly appointed cabinet ministers that many teachers and nurses will quit their profession in the coming weeks if public sector pay deals are further delayed by chaos at the top of government. Patrick Roach, General Secretary of the NAS UWT, has written to the new Education Secretary, James Cleverley, asking for publication of the review body recommendations for teachers. Roach said it was essential that agreement was reached as soon as possible so that teachers did not leave the profession before the beginning of the new school year. What is important is that the process is not kicked into the long grass. We must ensure that full consultation takes place and that teachers get what they deserve. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, over the next few episodes I'm going to discuss connections, so let's get wired or not, as the case may be. The plan was to do this in order of most essential, however a chicken and egg question came first. What is the most essential connection, the internet or your display device? Without the internet, there'd be far less interaction, however, how does this compare? To the ability to display your screen to the class. I asked you on Twitter and at Elizabeth J. Rowan was the first to answer with I'll hasten to add the most popular choice, the internet. There's 1001 ways to present or display information. I couldn't agree more. And talking of more, at more to learn, question my question, asking why do I have to choose? Showing the expectation we teachers have for both. However, when asked to choose, the answer was the internet and give me a whiteboard pen. So, 
Let's talk about the internet and the difference it makes to teaching. We have a connection to the biggest network of networks at our fingertips, indexed by powerful search engines that return results in seconds, even ranking them in an order of likelihood of them containing the answer we are looking for. Obviously, we need to swerve adverts and fake news from time to time, but what a resource we have. For those of us willing to admit they were around, 20 years ago, teachers were still transitioning from chalkboards. Every teacher was in the process of getting a laptop, the projector was on a trolley you wheeled into the classroom, and social media didn't exist. You couldn't just take a virtual tour inside a volcano or go on an interactive 3D journey through the digestive system, have a guided tour around a highly secure Google storage facility, drop a jelly baby on a map, walk around the coast of Spain, Italy, or Australia. The internet has brought us all of this, and harnessing, filtering, and presenting its power to our pupils has become an art that we have had to master. So here are a couple of tricks you can use to keep yourself organized. Control plus D bookmarks a page. But did you know that if you make a folder of bookmarks you can right click and open all. All of your bookmarks in that folder open as new tabs. This is great if moving from one lesson to another on a different topic. If you use a lot of YouTube clips and websites, Wakeless is a great way to organize collections of links and clips. It's free to make an account and you can share collections via links with pupils. I'd like to finish with a question. Do you know the difference between the internet and the World Wide Web. Tune in next week to find out. Why not get in touch at TT Radio 2022? Follow us and tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. And we're back. Uh, welcome back, Marcus and Karen. Thank you. <laughs> yep. I was just reflecting on on the classroom twenty years ago. Even I'm even I started out a lot um, <laughs> uh, quite a bit before that. I think we're probably in the sort of same kind of time frame um, <laughs> in terms of our, <laughs> our careers. But I do. I mean, do you remember wheeling in the overhead projector into the classroom and <laughs> projecting on the wall? Um, it's, oh, um, I, 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 I once had an observed lesson and I had tried to be too clever with the cassette player and the counter. Mm -hmm. And I had I had three separate uh, marked places on the cassette with the counters. Um, but I had queued it all up on a different cassette player and the other one, the counter went at a different speed. Oh, so no. when I got to the second clip to, to <laughs> for the students, it wasn't at the right place and, and it was very difficult. <clears throat> I don't know what, I can't remember how I salvaged it, but I think I, I got some good feedback on sal salvaging <laughs> a disaster with the cassette thinking, thinking on Thinking on your feet, yes. yes. The techs, I mean, we have different kind of tech issues, but there were tech issues then, <laughs> there always will be. Marcus, what's your thought on the future of classrooms? of teaching in general oh well i mean it's a very much a, a buzzword right now but i mean i think we're seeing lots of examples and i think you, you mentioned you know yourself i mean the hybrid situation is not now kind of being used necessarily for health and safety reasons as it was you know sort of brought in during you know the, the height of covid but it seems to be a format and a system that seems to have a lot of benefits, um, especially for institutions that are, you know, obviously uh, strapped for cash, for example, you know, it enables them to uh, have, you know, to, to provide quality education to a, uh, more students while kind of maximizing the resources that they that they already have. So it's interesting. It's interesting you say that because the my my the year that I teach, I teach the first year of a master's program, and obviously it's a private university. And initially that it was capped at 110, it's now gone up to 150. And the hybrid option allows students from the whole of Southern Italy to, to join the course. Um, so I think we're seeing a lot more of that in, in terms of like transnational, um, I'm not sure if that's right, we're transnational education as well, you know, mm. it's now a lot you know, let's say 10 years ago or even five years ago, you know, the idea of online learning, especially for graduate level degrees was kind of, uh, it, it was looked down upon. Mm. Um, it, it had a kind of a stigma about it. Uh, but now, you know, I, I would say that's pretty much gone away. I mean, everyone's expected now to have some kind of online support component 
of their learning, whether it's you know entirely online uh, or you know online support or hybrid. So I think the future is kind of moving into kind of hybrid and, and even you know totally online, but just done in a in a in a much more kind of interactive way that takes full advantage of the tools and the technology that is available, not just available, but that people have now become accustomed to using. Mm. You know, yeah, years ago, trying to explain what Zoom was, no one heard of <laughs> Zoom outside of um, corporations, really. Mm. Uh, whereas now, you know, I think most people know how it works, and, and they, they spent two years, you know, working out all the features, and and it's also adapted as well to education because it was a platform like many of the other um, video conferencing tools. They were sort of aimed at enterprise; they weren't aimed at education. But now you know the developers of these apps and, and and web tools are sort of have education as part of their sort of remit when they're yeah. designing and, and developing well that's sort of sensible isn't it really given the number of people they had to accommodate mm. <laughs> karen what's your what's your take on the future of teaching i think similar to marcus i was just going to add on to something that that marcus had said about the the transnational so i had I was working on a project with teachers in one country, but normally face to face, they would only come from their catchment area, so to speak. <clears throat> so it was, you know, it was amazing for these teachers to be interacting with teachers from other parts of the same country who would not normally meet. And I think that maybe for teacher training that might expand even more to be having online training programs with synchronous um, Zoom or what other platforms where teachers across countries mm. can collaborate and share ideas. So already we've seen in the last year and a half or two years <clears throat> so much more um, like global collaboration and exchanging of ideas rather than kind of more localized. But I think there's always I feel deep in my heart that <laughs> there's always going to be a place for face-to-face -face learning. <laughs> That's <what I> got. <laughs> I totally deep in my heart. <laughs> I I hope it doesn't disappear. Uh, mm. I was I had sort of I was quite jealous of all the people going off to IATEFL this year and finally, you know, being together. I, I assume you two went or did... not me, Mark. No, I, I went. Uh, yeah, yeah Mark. First, first time IATEFL this year. Mm. And how did you find it? Um, actually, I mean, I, I went there as, uh, you know, in my capacity as a community manager, so I was re recording a lot of uh, interviews with, mm. uh, with Paul and speaking to a lot of the delegates and, and, you know, the same themes were coming through in the presentations. It was, you know, about sort of, uh, sort of lessons learned from the pandemic in terms of what technology tools to move forward with and how, mm. how can we adapt our training offerings you know for the uh, sort of coming out of covid and for the next generation but also the the attendees of the conference you know that they came away with a much more kind of a, a positive outlook on things are uh, you know really taking advantage of uh, the, the the real the benefits that we saw come out from technology but not in a way that was kind of scary at first mm. you know it, it's like there are certain things uh, that, for example, teacher meetings, uh, I think a lot of schools now are realizing, you know, to expect all these parents to sort of drive across town to the school to have a chat with, with the teacher and even uh, te teachers, faculty meetings with heads of department, you know, a lot of those can be done online. They don't need to be done in person if, exactly. if your schedule doesn't uh, sort of accommodate it conveniently. So I think that there was a lot of that that was coming out. It was like, well, yeah, there are some some benefits of of using tech, and I would like uh, for some things to to stay. Me too. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've got quite a lot of things that I definitely don't. I don't want to. Don't take away my Google Classroom, please. <laughs> I don't <laughs> ever want to lose that because that just it's helpful. It's efficient. And, and um, you know, you've got everything in one space. You can certainly my emails go down because I I put um, you know a post in classroom. Everyone reads it, and if a student asks has a question, they can 
they might uh, someone might ask it and then they can answer it and they everyone can see the answers so my inbox for uni is very very tidy because there's so much there on classroom um, i think another thing that um just talking about that with the emails going down because in the last couple of years there's been so much well quite necessarily more focus on the learner to mm. take responsibility for their own learning and that is amazing that learners are you know being given ownership and responsibility and taking it um through the technology like you're saying with the google classrooms helping each other there's mm. there's spaces that students can do that and also in a in a in a class you know in a face-to-face -face class just going back to the my i love large classes students have to take much more responsibility because there's so many of them so they're helping each other and and working together lots of peer support and figuring things out by themselves which is a great great skill definitely it's not just, it's not, not just learners i mean teachers we, we saw mm. a massive mm. massive um influx of new uh members a private facebook group the british council teacher community uh, during the pandemic and you know there was lots of requests for support and lots of sharing of support and mm. lots of international collaboration but a lot of that has stuck mm. you know, and before, I... the, before the pandemic it was just a case of oh i need a lesson plan for this or you know it was very much um sort of ask and give whereas now there's a lot more collaboration and, and even with the um, the British Council's International uh, Schools Award. I mean, there are so many schools now participating in these projects across the globe that you know were started or at least um, propelled by the pandemic. That are now, you know, getting giving kids and teachers this opportunity to actually collaborate with colleagues in so many different parts of the world. And, and with that, they're they're learning. You know, they're those other 21st century skills that we talk about you know the, mm. uh, in, uh, about different cultures and, and and taking ownership of your learning and being more autonomous as karen mentioned uh, so again not not just the students but the teachers as well i mean i have to say i think i have done more courses and learned more in the last two years than i have in the previous <laughs> 10 years no wonder i feel tired sometimes <laughs> <laughs> i hope you are planning on having a break this summer and um I mean, mm. we'll miss you online, but I think it's probably <laughs> um, a good idea. What's the best thing about your jobs? Hmm. My favorite things about this job are um, the Friday afternoon mornings. <gasps> and that wasn't me, I don't think. No, that was my oh, dog. Okay. I'm really sorry. I apologize. <laughs> She, um, she does this occasionally. I'm going to mute. I'll let you talk. <laughs> okay. One of the favorite things is um, the Friday Lives because it finishes off the week um, really nicely. But, the, but I've also learned how to do the technology by myself. So that, that gives me a lot of joy at the end of the week. And I also really like being in touch with teachers on a regular basis. So having that communication with with teachers and then of course not working with marcus lovely lovely and marcus well i would obviously i feel obliged to echo that but i mean we do um you know i often kind of uh oh i've got to be careful who's listening now i mean i often sort of say jokingly if if the wrong people are listening and accurately if the right people are listening that it's the, it feels like the most productive part of my week mm. because we've had an opportunity to really uh, dive deep into engagement with teachers across the world and really get a feel for where they're at, mm. which is quite difficult when you work from home in a, uh, you know, in a, in a comfortable, although quite sweaty at times, you know, home office in Catalonia in Spain. But it's only when you kind of start discussing and opening up the dialogue and, and building um, the, the, the community, literally, um, that you kind of get a sense of what's needed and, and, and where teachers are at. And, and to be honest, you know, there's lots of comments that we come across and, and, and uh, about large classes and, and uh, low resource contexts, but there is so much of a can-do, optimistic attitude 
that comes from the discussion and mm. it just makes not just us but even the audience we get a lot of feedback um from viewers who you know 10 percent or 20 percent of those viewers don't even follow us that they've kind of been recommended it by facebook or, or shared by a colleague but we get this kind of sense that the discussion has helped uh, with not just practical ideas but to feel that they're, they're, they're part of something, they're part mm. of a global community. It's like a gigantic staff room. <laughs> yeah, it is, and, and it's, not, you know, it's not a quiet, I mean, even you know, we have a lot of viewers, just like in class, you know, you have a lot of quiet students, but just because they're not speaking or, or seemingly to engage with us doesn't mean they're not appreciative or getting benefit from you know the the passive experience i mean there's a lot who I mean, the, the data kind of reflects it uh, we get a lot of viewers who come back time and time again but we, we don't really know quite who they are <laughs> you know, there are some names that, that, that crop up every time yep um but you know we have a let's say a returning viewer number of about 200 um, so we could probably name about ten of those, but the other hundred and ninety, not so much. But they, 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 you know, they come back time and time again. So they're, um, you know, an active part in their way. Mm. And and there's a lot of support, um, you know, amongst the teachers. Like on the, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about on the lives with the with the comments and there's like mm. sort of flurries of comments and lots and lots of support for each other. Mm. Um, loads of sharing of ideas as well. I've got some great ideas from the teachers writing in. Yeah, I mean, mm. that's what I mean. It's all about they're sharing suggestions, they're sharing experiences that help each other. Mm. I think that, that's part of why we feel so good at the end of the week is because we've kind of, uh, it's, it's not come from us, we've been the catalyst for it. You know, it's still community first. Mm. How wonderful. Mm -hmm. and, and keep 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 going because I mean it's just um, it's it's fantastic to to watch you both and listen to you both and um, you're very lucky to have this <laughs> inspiration. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a fun fact about you that perhaps people don't know? Marcus, do you want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> I, I did see that on the list of questions, but I didn't actually think about what to, to say. Um, fun fact, fun fact, fun fact. Mm. Oh, can I push that under Karen? And yeah, that's fine, because I did think of something, so. <laughs> see? see? <laughs> you at least read over the questions and plans for this interview. <laughs> I think, um, something I was thinking about of like, oh, you know, what might people not know, you know, from our teacher community? is that Marcus and I have only met in person once. Once? Once in Barcelona last year. And this was after we'd been working together for a year and a half, maybe? Yeah, it seems we're on an average. It's taken us about a year to arrange it. We were supposed to have a meetup by now, Karen. I know, so we need to get on that. Part of the year. It's going to be December. You've only met once, but you seem like the best <laughs> mates. <laughs> Again, oh, we are. We spend yeah. so much time on video calls, and mm. you know, we even have a sort of social exchange of messages outside of hours as well. Mm -hmm. So you know, we are. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Karen. I consider you a friend. But, you know. I consider you a friend too. <laughs> we it's it's been quite an interesting experience to you know get to know someone online. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So yes, we've only met once. It's interesting. I mean, we've only I, met once. My my predecessor. Anne Foreman, I worked with her, you know, constantly for six years. Mm. And, and she was based on the other side of Spain in Bilbao. I never met her face to face. Never? No. Wow. <laughs> but, and, okay, this is my fun fact. But when she retired, I felt very sad and I actually shed a tear. Oh. Oh, because I felt we had built up such a close working relationship. Mm. I felt, you know, really, she was my mentor. Mm. Uh, but I, I felt, you know, this, this is someone who was a big part of my life. We communicated every single working day mm -hmm. yeah. for, for six or seven years. So mm. it was, it did feel like a, a genuine loss, you know, it was quite a, mm. a, a move when she left. 
I had I had a, a work buddy like that, um, and it was, yeah. I still I still miss him actually, um, mm. but things things change. We're still friends, obviously, and we still see each other. But the working when you work closely with someone for a number of years, I do understand how that feels. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, quite, it's, quite, it's quite an interesting experience to actually meet a lot of these people <laughs> for the first time face to face in at IA Chapel. Because I don't yeah. have spoken to on a on a Zoom call or a Teams call, um, but it didn't change things. You know, we still felt that kind of same level of knowing each other. So I, I think maybe this is one of those feelings that um, has now changed in me. It's like you know you can develop meaningful relationships uh, online in the same mm -hmm. way that you can in in a kind of in person context. I agree. And, and I think particularly with EOT, um, it is such a nice, I mean, people, as you said, everybody knows everyone. They're also really nice people <laughs> to mm -hmm. know. Okay. I'm going to ask you a silly question to finish. Um, Marcus, um, if you were a vegetable, what vegetable would you be? Oh, I think I would be an aubergine eggplant. <laughs> I was about because to say that. You <laughs> would have to rethink. Because it's probably the only vegetable that I can easily mistake for meat in terms of its texture when it's mm -hmm. you know, mixing with other food ingredients. Mm. Um, it's my favourite colour, which is that kind of dark purple, almost kind of in line with the British Council branding. Chosen <laughs> <laughs> strategically. I, I actually really love... You, you can fry it, you can bake it. You know, I'm, I'm not a, a, an expert at cooking, but, you know, I've seen other people do amazing things with it. Mm. I think you should come down here, Marcus, and try out how we do. My, my husband cooks, um, it's called parmigiana the melanzane which is basically aubergines <gasps> with with ragu and um and cheese and oh, it's just it's delicious it's um my, my friend um cooked me um not cooked but made uh, a lot of sushi last night and it's so a homemade sushi like and I, I wow together must have consumed about half yeah it's about half a kilo <laughs> of rice with the salmon and the cream cheese and, and oh it's delicious yeah Oh. Lucky. Karen, what about you? You've had <laughs> I was going to say aubergine because I all copying me. <laughs> yes, I'll change my mind, but I'm growing a aubergine and it is the coolest thing to watch grow. Mm. It's amazing. So I'm gonna change mine to um French runner beans because I also think that they are the coolest things to watch grow from seed. Um how they just pop out and then how the bean grows out of the flower. It's just fascinating. I've watched them all day. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. It's all about Karen's gardening antics <laughs> on her new blog. What's it called, Karen? It's called um, canort.blogspot.com. Canort. But the <laughs> name of the garden is the, the Garden of Ideas. It's a, a garden, a school garden project to get kids involved in English and gardening and outside and integrated subjects oh i think i'm not sure if harry harry waters is still here he's very much into that too if you two don't know each other you might want to connect oh yeah um, yeah he goes he's he went and dug up his dug up the school got everyone planting <laughs> doing stuff brilliant um, yes no i i didn't have much luck last year i think my aubergine didn't get enough water and it it turned, it went gold. Whoa. <laughs> Which it looked quite beautiful, <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't very nice to eat. And I think, and when I showed it to someone, they said, you haven't watered it enough. So I'm quite curious to read your blog. Okay. I will, yep. I will, I will update the progress mm. of the one single aubergine, <laughs> which may <laughs> need to be named. <laughs> and thinking about that, the color you mentioned, Marcus, the one thing, the one flower that is perhaps my favorite flower in the world is the a tulip in that aubergine color mm. sorry that would there be you go mm -hmm. yeah. 
Now we're going to put that. Uh, that I'm going to with that. I'm going to pull everything together. Um, <laughs> thank you, both of you. Honestly, we could probably talk for another hour. Um, thank you for your inspiration, and thank you for coming and talking about the fabulous work that you do. And if you feel like coming back, please let me know. Thank you. Thanks very uh, much. It's been a pleasure. Lovely, lovely talking to both of you. Thanks very much. And next week, I have Joe Zoki, and we will be talking about hybrid teaching, or more specifically, hybrid learning, and is if it's possible. And we will be also talking about a lot of her, her teacher training work that she's doing. So next week on Teachers Talk Radio. Thank you, everyone, for coming, and I'll see you all next week. Bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.